welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Uh, last week we started a new series in 1 Thessalonians. Um, before I talk, I'd love um, to ask Olive to come and read our passage for today, just so it's not all my voice. So, Olive, um, come in. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 to 12. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been created outrageously in the Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted in the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God, who test our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover our greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though, as apostle of Christ, we could have asserted our authority, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toy and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached in we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his other children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy for God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, so, what do you think of when you think of a true story or someone who tells you a true story? Any ideas? And what would you be looking for if someone was telling you something that was true? What do you reckon? They can prove it. Okay, some proof. Maybe some experience. Maybe they've had to go through something to get you the story in the first place. I've called this talk Suffering, Gentleness, Hard Work, and Holy Hope, or How to Spot a Truthful Christian. Okay, because that's what Paul is trying to do. I know some of us are uncomfortable and nervous already. It's okay. Paul and Silas and Timothy, the guys who wrote this letter, we introduced it last week, um, they were very normal, very faithful, but very cold men who traveled all around the Roman Empire, planting churches and seeing people come to faith in Jesus, change their whole lives for this new teaching about Jesus, despite loads of opposition, loads of difficulty. And the church they're writing back to is struggling just the same People at the time didn't like the key ideas of the Christian faith, especially the way that it declared Jesus to be Lord of the world, not Caesar, and how that then shifted power dynamics and shifted the kind of control that people had over others. And so Christians were facing trials and beatings and imprisonments and even death, as well as just a general kind of public rubbishing of what they believed. 
and of those people who taught them. So Paul and his friends are writing this letter, and they've been accused of having motives involving money, wanting to trick people, trying to flatter them, trying to manipulate them, trying to win people's praise and favour for themselves, trying to get some kind of level of social standing that might come with being a religious leader. Also, most people are just saying they're just wrong. They're in error. They're just, just plain wrong about things. And so Paul's, Paul's argument against this is these four things, suffering and gentleness, hard work and holy hope, that remind the Thessalonians that these allegations aren't true, and they know it. And so he does two things with that. Then he gives us a rubric for telling how we can maybe sift through if someone's worth listening to about God, which is helpful. There's a lot of information out there, isn't there? There's lots of people trying to tell us things that are true, trying to make us change how we think or act or what we do with our lives. And so Paul, Paul gives us, hopefully, a little bit of a helpful uh, rubric for how to do that well. He also, if we have decided to follow Jesus, and we would call ourselves Christians, he has some really challenging things about what our lives might look like if that was true. Could we write a letter like this and have the recipients agree at the descriptions of our behaviour? That has kept me awake slightly as I've been preparing this, as it probably should. So let's take the first one. First clue, how do you find a trustworthy Christian? Um, Suffering. Okay. Oh, what a fun one. Exciting. It's a weird one, isn't it? Paul points to the suffering, the difficulty um, that he and his team endured to come to Thessalonica and work there as proof they were telling the truth. Okay, this is a picture of Jess Daly. There she is. She's in her 20s. Um, She's just graduated, actually. She's about 21, 22. She's been visiting and volunteering in Ukraine for about six years since she was a teenager. And she's recently been reporting on the war and its local impact on local people. And like a lot of reputable journalists, if you follow some of her stories, she's gone through some really genuinely harrowing experiences in order to find the truth about a story, to talk to people on the ground, and then to bring that story and evidence of it, photographs of it, writing of it, quotes from people back, um, and be able to give it to people who need to hear it. And so Paul is saying the same about his story. He's pointed to the fact that it's cost him, and it's been difficult to get the story out there, to tell people about it. Um, He's spent his life going around telling people about this Jesus who's changed his life, and he's suffered for it. He doesn't get paid. Um, He doesn't get lots of praise or status or power. In fact, he mostly gets told off, beaten up, run out of town, imprisoned, and eventually killed. Not unlike a lot of wonderful modern-day journalists when they go into places and bring stories back. Their willingness to suffer lends weight, doesn't it, to the truthfulness of what they're trying to say. So for me, this says two things, okay? One is that the mark of someone trying to tell you something truthful is how willing they are to have it cost them to tell you. How willing are they to give their lives up? How willing are they to give their comfort up in order to tell you about this thing? Are they giving it freely to you despite difficulties? Are they telling you something that matters to them without asking you for something in return? That might help us, actually not just in the kind of religious, spiritual kind of sphere. It might help us all the time when we're filtering things on YouTube or stuff that we're seeing in the media. What is this costing people? Where is it coming from and what are the motives? They're just really helpful questions. The other thing it says to me is that if we are Christians, if we are saying we're following Jesus, we don't have to hide our suffering in order to be a good witness to what God's done in our lives, do we? 
Sometimes that can feel, it can feel a bit like that. It can feel like if I've got a faith and maybe my friend doesn't have a faith and I need to show them how wonderful my faith makes my life and I need to be amazing. I need to be amazing at everything and I need to never struggle and never suffer and I need to have my finances in order, my family in order. And then Monday at 10 o'clock comes and I have none of those things in order. How do I tell them about Jesus? How do I make it look like it's real? I don't need to make it look like it's real because it is. And I don't need to pretend I don't struggle because I do. What I need to be able to show people is the story of God coming into my struggle, because that's the truthful story, okay? Paul and co. make this point. They don't ask for money and praise. They're not tricking or deceiving. They're just saying, we are normal people, massively changed by God coming into our lives. You can be the same. This is our gift to you. So if you're finding it hard to follow God and you're pressing on anyway, if you're a Christian and you're struggling, if it's 10 a.m. on Monday and you don't feel like you are the best version of yourself that you could possibly be, that is okay. You are in very good company. Jesus and the prophets, it was said in our passage, Jesus and the prophets also struggled. They all suffered for what they brought to people and God was still faithful. We'd love to also love to pray for you later. Okay, you're on the right track. We would love to pray for you later as well. So suffering is part of it. Gentleness is the second part of it. For Paul and his friends, suffering is part of this witness, but so is their response to people's opposition to them. This response to when people tell them that they're wrong or or try and put them in prison or, or try and be terrible through them. They don't respond with trying to please people or changing what they say to make it a bit easier. They don't respond by trying to assert their authority and get get money and get privilege from the people that they're serving. Instead, they have this incredible gentleness with everyone that they meet, whether they decide to say yes to Jesus or whether they don't, actually. I'll just read you a couple of bits from that uh, passage. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, Paul says, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. For you know we dealt with you each as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of the God who called you into his kingdom. There are so many family metaphors dotted through this passage. And actually, they're dotted, if, you, if Paul wrote quite a lot of the New Testament, if you read it, there's, they're everywhere. This sense that Paul has of being family with these people that he meets. Like a good mother, he cares for them. Like a good father, he encourages them. He challenges them to live worthy lives. He's got this life-changing message from God, Paul says. Now live it out every day, but he's encouraging. It's not a a negative pressure. It's the gentle, kind encouragement of someone who loves you. And actually, this gentle, thoughtful way of being in community with each other should be what marks every Christian community out, shouldn't it? This decision, I think like the verse 8, we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This decision to share life with other people, to love them and give yourself to them on a daily, weekly basis in a costly way. That's how all the churches began at this point in history. That's what they did. And it's absolutely key to how God wants us to be. If we are his followers in the world, that's what he wants to do, to share ourselves with other people. Because for God, okay, the, the God that Christians believe in, what he wants to do is reconnect us with him. He wants us to have a relationship with him, but most of us, and I wasn't a Christian when I came to university in London, gosh, 16 years ago, that's very sad. Um, when, I, when I first experienced the church, I didn't experience God straight away. I experienced people who knew God, who were different, and who loved me differently. 
And that's the experience that should happen when people meet with, um, for the first time, God sends us to show his love through what we do. Now, this takes a lot of time, effort, and sometimes suffering, okay? There can be a cost to this kind of generous serving of other people, this gentleness. I have a friend who drew me aside at a party once. So we've got a, a sofa up there. There it is. That's not my sofa, I have to say. It's not far off. Um, I had a friend who drew me aside at a party once. There were about 10, 15 kids crawling around my living room. I'd made chocolate cupcakes. It was, it was a poor decision in retrospect. Um, there were some adults at the other end of the room having some drinks and chatting. And she sort of said to me in, in a bit of a whisper, I, I could never do this. I, I could never do this. I have a white sofa. I was like, I've never had a white sofa. I don't know what color my sofa is. That's a very small cost of trying to love people. But it can feel a bit like that. We can feel a bit like that, can't we? When we've really tried to love and look after someone who needs it. I don't know about you, that, that's often how I feel. The other thing that woman said to me in that conversation was, we have been, she, she's um, from Eastern Europe. They've been in the UK 12 years. She said, you're the first English people who've invited us to their house. I was like, you need some better friends. Um, <laughs> but... It, it, didn't, it doesn't take much in our culture, sadly. It doesn't take much to be people who love other people well. And I know that that's a very small story, and it's about us. I know that there are so many of you who are incredibly welcoming and loving and looking after your neighbours and opening your homes and caring. We live in a culture, if we're honest, that is not far off what the Thessalonians were experiencing. Is it? In, in, terms of, in terms of how Christianity is perceived and the idea that people are very hostile to the church, often and the idea that they need Jesus. Actually, it's always been kind of offensive to say you're not good enough on your own, but God loves you and wants to help you. That's, that's kind, it kind of offends my ego to say it now. But people should meet that truth at the same time that they meet a radical, beautiful love from us that draws them deeply into our lives, even while they're processing that kind of truth. And Paul does this, and Paul was writing to the Thessalonians saying, do you remember, that's what we did. We came and lived among you, we shared our life with you. Before they ever accepted the word of God, before they decided to become Christians, it's never about that. It's about sharing ourselves with people before they do that, in order to show them who God is. The life that Jesus calls us to is radically hospitable. It's not offensive, it's attractive in itself. It's captivating. And actually, in this kind of world that we live in, where there's a lot of being closed off and a lot of unkindness and a lot of isolation, a little bit of hospitality and being family to people goes a really long way. So, quick break for a minute. Have a think or a chat to your neighbour. What could you do to invite people who maybe need that love into your life? What could you do, maybe practically in the next week or two? You don't have to be a Christian to have this conversation. So just a minute, turn to someone near you and chat, what could you do? Okay, fantastic. Please carry on those conversations later. I love that we get to work this out in community. Okay, so some ways we might spot a truthful, real Christian might be suffering. Woo, no one's excited about that. Um, and gentle, radical, incredible love. Woo, no, okay, that's all right. It's very early in the morning. Does it sound like fun? Or does it sound like hard work? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't really mean this to be a downer. This is supposed to be encouraging. Hopefully we'll get encouraging by the end. But the other regular reality of Paul's life that we see is that it, he works really, really hard to accomplish what he's out to do, to see people come to faith, to raise up communities that love and serve the areas that they're in. It's really hard work. Verses 9 and then verse 17. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship 
we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. And then again, verse 17, we made every effort to see you. So if you don't know much about who I'm talking about, I've been talking about Paul loads, if you don't know who I mean, um, he used to make tents and sell them, which is what he means by working night and day, not being a burden. So he'd work all day making tents and and making money so that he didn't have to ask anyone to pay him uh, so that he could live. And then he'd also be talking to customers as they came, and then he'd go to groups or houses in the evening and talk to them there. And then on the, and in the synagogue on a Saturday, he'd go and talk to everybody there. And he'd just, he'd just talk to people as much as he could. Um, now, I look around here, and again, I know that many of you are wonderful Pauls, okay? Many of you work a day job or a night job or a shift job, which does both of those things. Um, Many of you have two or three jobs because you take care of your families as well. And then you also go out of your way to use your spare time for people who need you, to have other people over and feed them and listen to them. There are several people who come here on a Sunday who've taken refugees into their homes um, post uh, what's happened in Ukraine. Many of you are also simply the person in your street or the parent in the school WhatsApp chat or the colleague in the office that can be relied on when someone needs to borrow something or they need some help or they need some childcare or they need someone looked after, you're the person who says yes. And I'm just blown away on a regular basis by how many of you will say, oh, I just did this this week like it's nothing. You serve everyone you come into contact with and it means this community is a privilege to be part of. You might have heard this before, but you might be the only Bible that your friends ever read. You might be the only Bible your friends ever read. How much you're saturated with him all the time, how you live and work, how you speak will determine how people see the God that you say you worship, right? Here we go. Have we got a creepy picture for us? There we go. Excellent. Uh, (laughs) Not historically or theologically accurate, I have to say, uh, but memorable. So this this is for 10.30 on Monday for you. The cost of following Jesus can feel like a lot. If you've given yourself to Jesus, it can feel like, oh, it's, it's... it's all this, like, there's an expectation, there's more stuff to do, there's this thing I have to be, there's two, three jobs, and there's all this other stuff I want to do on top, God's stuff on top of everything else. I think the encouragement that we get from Paul is not to see the God stuff on top, okay, but it's to see God in all the stuff. It's to see the presence and work of God in all the stuff. Paul chatted to his customers, preached on his days off. Jesus made friends at parties and had deep and meaningful conversations on country walks. The mark of a truthful Christian isn't that they can put together a a, a mildly eloquent talk once a month or two. That's not it. The mark of a truthful Christian is that they eloquently live out a life of loving and serving and respectfully chatting their faith every single day, wherever they are. Like little Jesuses, which is what many people hear do well. So we suffer, but we're gentle. We love people and we work hard. And then what? There's one last thing that Paul and Silas and Timothy talk about that I want to end on, because I think it's where Paul ends and it's good, and that is holy hope. This is another trait that peppers this passage, and actually Paul's writing. Verse 10, you are witnesses, he says to these people that he loves and left. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. What's our hope, he says, our joy and our crown with which we'll glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? What is it that will be the crown and the joy and the hope and the glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes, Paul says. Is it not you? Southside, our glory and our joy, 
are those people that we see go from darkness into light. They're the people that we see go from death into life and sadness into joy. They're those people that we meet at work or that we help on the WhatsApp chat or that we meet in our street or that we just, just give a hand out to you. They will be the people that, that the hope of Jesus is that he will come back and he will completely remake the world. All things rise, that we will see everyone who's died come back to life. We'll see everything sad made good again. And in those moments, when that happens, our glory and our joy, the things that we'll be going, this is amazing, are those people that we, probably slowly, probably with a little bit of pain and suffering, probably with a lot of difficulty, maybe over days or weeks or months or years, those people that we looked after and loved, those will be the people that bring us joy and bring us glory in the presence of God. Um, last week was the year, that the, the year that we've been back. It was the week that we've been back after a year. We, we didn't meet as a site over COVID, so 18 months. We didn't have church here. Last week was the time we'd been back for a year. And I just had a sense as I prepped this that there's a real pleasure from God over many of us here, many of you. He is so proud of how you've handled yourselves, how you looked after people in those two years we weren't here, how you look after people now and who you are. And I think there's an invitation to press on I think life might get darker and life might get harder for a lot of people over the next few months and years, but God is really good. And the gospel of Jesus is still, come, meet God through the love of people and then live in a different, empowered way because of his presence in your life. And we get to be little Pauls. If we follow Jesus, if we say yes to him, we get to be little Jesuses with a much less creepy face. We get to tell that truth every moment and invite people onto that journey with us. Holiness is something that we're given as a gift when we say yes to Jesus. It's something we live out and it's this, also this future hope of glory that we have when Jesus comes back. So what I'd love to do is just give us a little moment to respond before the band come up and we worship. Here what we do is we usually give ourselves a little minute to just respond with what God might be doing through the talk. Um, and then we worship again and we ask to invite the presence of God through music and prayer to come. Um, and we expect that he wants to come and speak to many of us. Um, it'll look different for all of us. It, it might be more one week for some and more one week for another. But we do expect he wants to come be with us. So we're going to just spend a moment responding. And I think in this moment, for some of us, it might be the first time that you've heard this or you've heard it in a different way. And you're like, I, I want this. I, this Jesus life, this Jesus love, I get that it's difficult, but I want it anyway. And you might just want to say yes to Jesus for yourself. And I'll just do a bit of a prayer for that in a minute. It might be that you are aware that you haven't quite been living as in the life that you've, the worthy of the calling that God has for you. Do you know what? That's okay. None of us are. Like, I wasn't when I first came to church. I'm not most Sundays. But there's a moment to say, okay, God, I really want your help with that. So why don't we just, for a minute, we'll just do that, and then we'll uh, let the band come and we'll have some more time to pray afterwards. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening, and God bless.